book two chapter six of henrietta volume one by charlotte lennox this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. chapter six in which our heroine is very reasonably alarmed it was indeed true that my father's family took no notice of me notwithstanding the applications that had been made to them and when my aunt meadows introduced me at my uncle's the earl of blank i was received so coldly by him and his lady that i inwardly resolved never to expose myself to such a mortification again and my aunt entered so far into my just resentment as never to press me to make them a second visit my brother was abroad if living he neglected me and perhaps i had no brother but how else could I account for so long a silence in one who seemed to have such tender affections? I had no resource but in Mr. Damon's friendship, and he was at this time unluckily at too great a distance to be of any use to me. I saw plainly that I must either accept Sir Isaac Darby, or be thrown back into my former indigence and dependence. Dreadful alternative! But the man considered, was there room to pause long? my imagination suggested to me every possible ill consequence of the loss of my aunt's favour but weighed against the misery of such a marriage they all seem light yet would you think it my dear amidst the many real evils i had reason to apprehend by disobliging my aunt one trifling circumstance dwelt strongest upon my mind and that was the occasion of triumph i should give to lady manning who would exult over my fallen expectations and return to indigence. I was ashamed of my own weakness when I found this thought capable of giving me so much pain, and in the contemplation of greater misfortunes, which were likely to be my lot, I sought to blunt my sense of these lesser ones, which were the necessary consequences of them. Towards evening Mrs. White threw herself in my way, as I was walking pensive in the garden, she told me that my aunt was full of hopes that I would comply, that Sir Isaac was to be invited the next day, and that it was expected the generosity of his proposals with regard to settlements, the rich presents of jewels which he would offer, and his resolution to agree to everything I desired, would make such an impression on my mind as to induce me to give a free and willing consent. Mrs. White added that since my aunt was so determined upon concluding this match, she wished I would conquer my aversion to it, for she feared that my absolute refusal would so irritate her that she might be easily persuaded to take some violent resolution against me. And there is one, said she, who will spare no pains to bring that to pass. I replied that nothing which could befall me from the loss of my aunt's favour was to be dreaded so much as being the wife of Sir Isaac Darby, and that my resolution was fixed. Mrs. White sighed, shrugged her shoulders, and hastened from me for fear of being observed, seeming, as I thought, to believe my case desperate. When she was gone, I considered that if I accepted of the two days my aunt had given me to come to a resolution, I should be exposed during that time to the odious courtship of Sir Isaac, whose presence was, it seems, judged necessary to influence me. I therefore determined to declare myself immediately, and plunge at once into the distresses that awaited me. I left the garden immediately, and went in search of my aunt, 
as soon as i entered the room where she was she laid down a book she had been reading and looked earnestly at me seeming by my countenance on which i believe was impressed the agitation of my mind to expect something extraordinary you have indulged me madam said i with two days to consider of your proposal with regard to sir isaac darby but so long a time is not necessary were anything less at stake than the future happiness of my life you should find me incapable of opposing your will but in this case it is not possible for me to obey you judge of my aversion to that man when i protest to you that if death or his hand was an alternative that i must choose i would without hesitation prefer death as the lesser hardship this determined speech seemed to surprise my aunt although i think she had no reason to expect i could ever be prevailed upon to marry sir isaac you are an undone girl said she after a pause of near three minutes i believe your father's folly is hereditary to you have you done my duty your obstinacy would be upon your own head i confess i was greatly affected with her calm resentment so likely to be lasting i burst into tears she went out of the room i followed her into another where mr danvers was sitting as soon as i perceived him i hastily withdrew for i was not willing to be seen by him in the state of dejection i retired to my own room and there after i had relieved my mind by another flood of tears i endeavoured to soften my own apprehensions of what might be the effects of having disobliged the only relation who would own me and collected all my fortitude to enable me to bear the worst that could happen but that worst my dear proved so terrible to my frightened imagination that to avoid it i have taken a very imprudent and dangerous step and whither it will lead me heaven knows for my heart forebodes some fatal consequence from it lord bless me said miss woodby after escaping such an odious husband as sir isaac was anything worse to be feared ah cried miss courtney but it was not certain whether i should escape him for if my aunt's scheme had taken place i had everything to fear what could your aunt's scheme be said miss woodby impatiently mr danvers rather said miss courtney and its being his made it more formidable my aunt seemed so easy and cheerful at supper and spoke to me so kindly that all my gloomy apprehensions vanished and i was happy in the thought that i should preserve her favour without becoming the wife of sir isaac darby but i was soon undeceived mrs white tapped at my door after she had put my aunt to bed i let her in and told her in a rapture of joy how favourably my aunt seemed disposed and that i should no longer be persecuted about the odious baronet oh miss said she i am afraid this calm foretells a storm a storm repeated i what do you mean i always dreaded said she that mr danvers would use his power with my lady to your disadvantage but who could have imagined that he would prevail upon her to send you to france and lock you up in a nunnery how exclaimed i almost breathless with terror and surprise confine me in a nunnery is it possible how came you to know this by the strangest chance in the world replied mrs white i am not used to listening i scorn it but some words that fell from the chaplain alarmed me on your account and i resolved if possible 
to know what he was driving at. This evening, pursued she, I went to my lady to take her directions about some laces I was making up for her. I found the chaplain with her. They seemed to be in deep discourse, and my lady, as if angry at being interrupted, bid me, in a hasty manner, come to her another time. I went away immediately, and just as I shut the door, I heard the chaplain say, Depend upon it, madam, there is no other way to preserve her from ruin. Certainly, thought I to myself, this must concern Miss Gotteni. I put my ear to the keyhole, and heard my lady answer, But I shall not be called a tyrant, for sending my niece to a convent contrary to her inclinations. The chaplain made a long speech, which I could not distinctly hear, but he told her she must make a sacrifice of such idle censures to God, that it was her duty to endeavour to save a soul, that you were in a state of perdition, and, oh, my dear miss, but that I cannot believe, he assured her, you would throw yourself away upon the idle fellow, those were his words, that you were in love with, if not prevented by bolts and bars. In the end, my lady seemed determined, and they consulted together about the means they should use to entrap you into a convent. My lady proposed making a tour to Paris, by way of amusement, to take you with her, and leave you in some monastery. Mr. Danvers, I found, objected to that. He desired she would leave the affair wholly to his management, and said he would think of some expedient that would be less troublesome to her. I did not stay to hear any more for I was apprehensive of some of the servants coming that way, and discovering me at so mean a trick as listening. "'Good God!' cried I. "'What shall I do? What shall I do?' repeated I passionately, in the anguish of my mind. "'My guardian is not in town. To whom shall I apply for advice and assistance in this extremity? I may be hurried away to this horrid confinement when I least expect it.' "'That is impossible,' said Mrs. White. "'Forewarned, forearmed,' as the saying is since you know what is intended against you you must be upon your guard you cannot be carried away against your will mrs white did not appear to me to have a very just sense of the danger i was exposed to for what will not bigotry attempt i was glad therefore when she left me to my own reflections which she did after begging me to be composed and not to discover the manner in which i came by the intelligence she had given me the latter part of her injunction i faithfully promised to perform but oh my dear miss woodby how was it possible for me to be composed amid such dreadful apprehensions to be locked up in a gloomy monastery perhaps for ever exposed to the persecutions of superstitious zeal but this was not the worst of my fears to be consigned over perhaps to the care of a wolf in sheep's clothing who had already shocked my delicacy with freedoms, that proceeding from such a man, in such a character, might well awaken the most frightful suspicions. "'Truly,' said Miss Woodby, "'that seemed to be the worst part of your danger. For I don't like this Jesuit at all. Everything may be dreaded from a hypocrite. But, as to the being shut up in a convent, there is no great matter in it. Such beauty as yours would have soon engaged some adventurous knight in your cause, who would have scaled the walls to have delivered you.' Oh, what a charming adventure! I protest I would submit to a few months of confinement in such a place, for the pleasure of being delivered from it in so gallant a manner. Sure, you are not in earnest, said Henrietta. Indeed, but I am, replied Miss Woodby. Well, resumed Miss Courtney, you have very whimsical notions, but I assure you none of these entered into my head. 
the loss of liberty seemed to me so frightful a misfortune that I was almost distracted with the idea of it. The first thought that occurred to me, and which indeed was the most natural, was to prevent my aunt from carrying her designs into execution by leaving her. I might well imagine she would use violence to detain me, if I attempted it openly, therefore it was necessary to steal myself away, and this has the air of an adventure you must own. But as I had no confidence in this design, no gallant youth to assist me in my escape, and did not even make use of a ladder of ropes, for danger of breaking my neck, I am afraid this adventure is not in a taste high enough for you. Oh, you are rallying me, said Miss Woodby, but I long to know how you escaped. No confidant, how could you manage so arduous an undertaking by yourself? With great ease, I assure you, said Miss Courtney, and I don't think you will allow it to be an escape when I tell you I walked peaceably out of a door, not without some trepidation, however, which arose less from the fear of a pursuit than the consciousness that I was taking a step which every young woman of delicacy will, if possible, avoid. As I have already told you, I instantly resolved upon leaving my aunt. But where should I seek an asylum? Mr. Damer, whose protection I might have requested with honour, was not in town. My brother was abroad. None of my father's relations would receive me. I had no acquaintances, but such as were my aunts, to whom my application would have been very improper, as I should have found very strong prejudices to combat with. It being a received maxim amongst persons of a certain age, that young people are always in the wrong. Besides, one seldom meets with any one who has not that littleness of soul which is mistaken for prudence, and teaches that it is not safe to meddle with other people's affairs, which narrow notions prevent many a good office, many a kind interposition, so that we seem to live only for ourselves. My perplexed mind could suggest no better expedient to me than to seize the first opportunity that offered to go to London, and there conceal myself in a private lodging till Mr. Damer's return, who I doubted not would take me under his protection. Before I had fixed upon this resolution, great part of the night was wasted, so that I lay later than usual the next morning. When I went down to breakfast, I found my aunt dressed, and her coach ordered. She took notice that my eyes looked heavy. I told her I had a violent headache, which indeed was true. She said it was a cold, and bid me keep myself warm. I'm going to Richmond, added she. It will be late before I return to dinner. Therefore let the cook get you a chicken when you choose to dine, and don't walk out to increase your cold. My heart leapt so when I found I was to be left at home, that I was afraid my emotion was visible in my countenance. My aunt, however, did not observe it, for apparently she had no suspicion that I knew anything of her design to send me to a convent, and therefore she could not possibly guess my intention to leave her. But she certainly overacted her part, all of a sudden to drop her favourite scheme, the marrying me to Sir Isaac Darby, and when I might reasonably expect that my obstinate refusal to comply with her desires would create some coldness in her towards me, to find her not only free from all resentment, but even particularly kind and obliging. Sure this was sufficient to raise doubts in my mind that something more than ordinary was at the bottom of all this affability. 
It often happens that cunning overreaches itself, for it seldom hits a medium, and generally does too much or too little. My aunt's behaviour would have led me to suspect that some design was forming against me, but if it had not been for Mrs. White's information, I should never have been able to discover what it was, for my own penetration would have gone no further than to suggest that some scheme was laid to bring about my marriage with Sir Isaac Darby. But this fear would have been sufficient to have winged my flight, so that the arts my aunt made use of to lull me into security proved the very foundation of my doubts. I had a new palpitation of the heart when I saw the chaplain follow my aunt into the coach. Sure, thought I, heaven approves of my design to get away, since so many circumstances concur to make it practicable. It was natural, my dear, as my religion was in danger from the persecutions preparing for me, to think heaven interested in the success of my intended escape. There is certainly something very pleasing in supposing oneself on certain occasions the peculiar care of providence. A Roman Catholic would have made little less than a miracle of so favourable a concurrence of circumstances. However, I suppressed this rising sally of spiritual vanity, and employed my thoughts in contriving how to get to town with convenience and safety, without expecting any supernatural assistance. End of Book 2, Chapter 6